St. George's number one station with Washington County's top talk show. The Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 92.5 KDXU. Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm Andy Griffin back. Uh, yeah, I missed you. I was gone Thursday and Friday up at the state tournament in Logan. Sad to say our Dixie boys came up just short in the championship game, but a good run. Crimson Cliffs played well as well, but uh, in the end, a long trip and no championship for Southern Utah. Skyview won that one 52-44, but uh, hey, thanks for uh, hanging with me. Uh, like I said, I'm kind of sad. I missed my show while I was gone, but sure glad to be back. It's going to be an unsettled day today here in Utah's Dixie. Just plan on, uh, well, I don't know if you want to wash your car just yet. It might get kind of dirty the next few days. Uh, hey, we've got an author on the show today, uh, a guy that knows a little bit about, uh, well, a lot of things. So let's welcome Tim Draper in. Hi, Tim. How are you? Good. Hey, Andy. How's it going? It's going great. Thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, first of all, maybe uh, instead of me introducing you, uh, how about if you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, what where you grew up, what, uh, what uh, your interests are? Sure. So my name is Timothy Draper. I was actually born and raised in uh, Phoenix, Arizona area. Uh-huh. Um, and I've always liked history. I've always liked, um, you know, going after stories that are linked to treasures and riches. Mm-hmm. So it's just something that's been inbred in me for a long time. I've been an outdoorsman my whole life. Um, when I moved up to Idaho, I noticed that there was a lot of ghost towns, a lot of prospecting in that area. And that's around the time that I was about 17, 18 years old. And that's what kind of got me started on everything. And then when I moved to Utah, um, about what, 12, 13 years ago, Utah was just a place that I couldn't believe how many stories there were of lost treasure and, you know, lost history out there and, um, moved to St. George in 2010 and went to Dixie college at the time, uh, going for history and anthropology. And from there, everything just took off. I fell in love with the area and I fell in love with the, the legends that are surrounded in this area. We, yeah, you know, we all kind of grew, you know, you grew up watching Indiana Jones or, or some of those great movies about treasure hunters and people looking for ancient artifacts. And I think, you know, a lot of folks are like, okay, I want to be either a football star or a rock star or maybe (laughs) Indiana Jones, right? And, and, And discover some of the secrets of the ancients, but you actually acted upon it. What, what gave you the, I don't know, the impetus, the, 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 uh, motivation to actually make that a reality? You know, when I was in school, when I went to Dixie, my plans were to, you know, go through the loops like everybody does, become an intern. I was hoping to maybe become a professor in the long run or maybe even work for the BLM or Forest Service in the way of, you know, archaeology or anthropology. Um, But things in school and the people that that I was starting to meet changed my perspective. I was learning one thing in school. And then as I was meeting real treasure hunters that have been doing this their whole life, you know, 40 to 60 years, when they started showing me pictures and taking me out in the field and they started mentoring me and showing me that there's more out there than what's just in the history books, that's where the inspiration came from. Before I knew it, it's years later, and I have archives after archives of all this, these photos I've taken, this information I've taken. Then I go back to... Uh, you know, the information that you can get 
off the libraries when you're in college, or maybe it was just Google searches. And I was realizing that a lot of things that we were finding, a lot of things that I was able to see with my own eyes and touch have not been mentioned in these history books. So yeah. I just kept my records there. And, you know, it, it didn't, it, it, about 10, 15 years into it, people just kept looking at me and they would say, man, you got to write books. You got to <laughs> tell people this kind of stuff, you know? And I've experienced that here locally in St. George. Um, I'll go to a place like Black, or what is it, uh, Black Bear Diner, places like that. And I'll go in there with my treasure hunting group or maybe with my mentors. And we'll talk openly treasures. And those restaurants start getting quieter and quieter. And I started <laughs> looking over my shoulder and I'm noticing people are looking at us because, you know, we're using the word gold, treasure, lost uh. history. And so it, 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 we bring a crowd in, and that's when, I was, that's when I decided it's time to start letting people know of our discoveries. You have a book, a brand-new book, called Treasures of the Ancients, and uh, obviously uh, this is going to go along with what you were just talking about. I think, you know, I did research on a town uh, in southern Utah that nobody had ever heard of, and it mysteriously disappeared off the map back in the late 1800s, a town called Hookerton, Utah, and uh, nobody ever heard of it. Nobody had any idea what it was. And, and uh, even, I, I think it was like right after, maybe within a year, they went out to find remnants of the town, and there was nothing there. Uh, there wow. are so many, so many great stories out there in southern Utah, in Utah, in the western United States, like you said, that people don't even know about. Tell us a little bit about your book. Yeah, and like what you said, with the book, especially if you're local, if you live here in Utah, I've... I've even given some locations, GPS points to some areas that I try to explain in this book. Um, but yeah, this book is kind of, it doesn't matter if, if you're just interested in something like this and you want to learn more. It does, you, you might want to, maybe you're at the point in your life where you would like to take on an extra hobby. This book will explain it all. Mm. I start from the beginning of things that I learned in school and then I go on to talk about what I have discovered out in the field. And then I bring on new information. Like I'll, I'll drop a name and I don't know if some of you have heard this or not, but here's a big one. And I brush on this in, in my book, the lost city in the grand Canyon that hmm. some people believe is linked to Egyptians from a couple thousand years ago, you know, oh, wow. that built lost city in there. So that's just one hint. But this, this book is to, to bring that information out in the public, get people thinking. And like I said, if you live here in Utah, this is a perfect book for you to, to start seeing and learning about discoveries and lost history that you will not read in your traditional history book. How hard is it, Tim, when, when you do your your research to, uh, I, I, I guess I would equate it to, fly, uh, you know, flying without a net or, or, or trapeze without a net. Uh, you're going out there. We're used to building our knowledge on the base of other, you know, research other people have done, but you're actually out there going and doing your own research, doing hands-on. Uh, is that scary sometimes to go, you know, I've discovered something that no one else has ever found? Yeah. You know, I, I've gone through all the loops, too. I'll be honest with everybody, um, especially when I was in Dixie College. I reached out to officials, and I quickly were, was getting responses by officials that had even doctrines in their degrees that were telling me, this can't be real. This is not what's taught. It must be something from a different error. And I had to 
I had to learn, you know, other ways to try to prove. For mm. instance, I found some Spanish, um, let's say, evidence and artifacts and structures that the Spanish were here mining um, in the higher mountains of St. George back in the 1700s. Wow. Well, I was told by the officials that, now it must be pioneer stuff. It must be from, you know, maybe later 1800s. So I had to use scientific ways to prove or tried to, not even to prove to them, to prove to myself, is this older than the Mormon pioneers that were in this area at the time? And we use things that's called like lichen. Um, lichen is a growth that grows on rocks and trees and stuff like that, and it can be dated. So when I started doing these kind of methods and the dates were coming back in the middle 1700s, that's before, you know, Utah's, history from the 18, uh, 1840s to the 1850s. Right. So who was here before them? Who was here almost 100 years before them mining, building rock structures, creating their own routes off the original Spanish trail, you know? And, and those are things that, that I, am, I become an investigator to try to prove that to myself so I can stay on the right path of making a discovery. One of the one of the, my most favorite classes in college. I had a history class. It was an American history class uh, at Utah State, but it wasn't your traditional history class. We didn't read out of a book and and you know just learn things. We what we were done. We were tasked with investigating these incidents and, and and digging deeper and finding out what really happened or maybe even why it happened. One of them was like the Salem witch trials and and how it came about and the psychology behind it. And, and, and so instead of just reading it, these are the facts. We were tasked with investigating it seems like that's kind of what you've taken on here personally in your life is okay i could read about this stuff but i want to know the truth behind this stuff on why and how it happened exactly that's exactly right and i i i believe school helped me with that i i took several history classes luckily some of them were a lot like what you just explained where they would tell me, well, by the end of the semester, you got to have this, you know, 15 to 20 page long uh, written up um, uh, letter about what you found and why and everything. And that's where I think I learned to become my own investigator. And it really helped me grow. Uh, same with my mentors, you know, as I'm learning things on my own, then they're teaching me things. Um, and not to mention local history. That has helped me a lot. There's, you'd be surprised how many people have reached out to me in Utah that give me the same story. Hey, my grandfather's father was linked to this story I heard you mention about, and I have documents, or I have a journal, or I have you know, the family story that's been passed down the last generations. Those have a lot of meat on the bone. Those have a lot of truth to them. And so, yeah, the, it, going out and really um, investigating this stuff is, I, it, it's a great feeling. I love finding new things. So cool. Uh, the book is Treasures of the Ancients with Timothy Draper as the author. Uh, Timothy, uh, by the way, is Amazon, Barnes & Noble, where else can we find it? Uh, Walmart.com. Um, if you do a Google search, um, you can find it at all the major bookstores. Treasures of the Ancients, the search for America's lost fortunes by Timothy Draper. Um, but yeah, even Walmart, you'll find it. 
Very, very cool. Now, how far back do you do you go? Um, do you just go wherever the uh, story the or the evidence leads you? Uh, in this book, are we talking, do you go back, you know, thousands of years, hundreds of years, decades, what? Yeah, I go back even to history that I found from, you know, let's say Arizona, Utah, Idaho, uh, the surrounding states where I believe that, the, uh, to give you an example, the Aztecs before they ended up in uh, what we know or what we know as Mexico City. I believe that there is evidence out there that shows that Utah could be one of the states where their homeland is mm. from. Um, and I believe that there's a chance they lived in this area of Utah and Nevada and for thousands of years before they ended up in the, in the Mexico City area. So that leaves a lot of mystery and a lot of discoveries to be found, if that is true. And I do brush on that on my book as well. Have you had any pushback with some of these stories? Have you had people say, no, you're barking up the wrong tree, or no, you shouldn't mess with this, or, or anything like that, Timothy? Yes, you know, you're always going to get that. Everybody loves, you know, if I just sit there and talk gold, treasure, riches, usually I can get everybody to raise an eyebrow, crack a <laughs> smile. Yeah. But when you start challenging history, that's a little bit different. Um, and I do have to say in my book, I definitely, definitely challenge the history that that's traditionally written. But I back it up with evidence and the reasons why based off of not only research, um, in the office, but research out of the field. Can, can you give us an example or two of that? Um, we'll go back to the Spanish. I've been told by almost every professional the Spanish did not make it as far up as Utah, other than Escalante, who used the old Spanish trail. That is incorrect. I have found tens, twenties, thirty different Spanish mines, and we have been able to authenticate that by not just finding the mine, by finding the clues that were left behind, carvings on rocks, uh, tree carvings and symbols, artifacts left in the mine and outside of the mine that link back to the Spanish. So that idea that the Spanish did not come to Utah other than just using the Spanish trail to go from California to New Mexico, I believe is incorrect. I believe that they did find minerals here. And they were after more ancient cultures that also left old tablets, documents, and, and artifacts in this area as well. This is a, a lot of that is groundbreaking. There, there are going to be a lot of scientists that say, uh, Timothy Draper doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I challenge it, and I can back it up. <laughs> and, uh, none of, you know, and at the same time, I like that. If I'm, there's no reason to tell people a story that you can go read in another book. Right. You know, this is the kind of stuff that I enjoy doing. I have a huge passion for it. I do it every day. This is what I do for a living. And so at this point, I'm not out to prove anybody right or wrong. I like to use the word evidence. This is what I'm finding. And I tell a lot of people, don't take my word for it. Read my book. You can go on my websites. I have my own series on YouTube. Um, I have a lot of information out there. And I always tell everybody, you don't have to take my word for it. I'm getting you started down that path. Now start digging into it yourself. Let's talk a little bit about images and how they pertain to things. I think maybe you could have done this type of book 
40 years ago, and it would have been hard to have pictures of it because, you know, people didn't carry around uh, phones with cameras and, and everything. How important has images, pictures uh, been in your research to help show people what's really happened? Very important. Very, very important. Because if you have a story, it's just a story. When I come back with a story and then I can show someone on my laptop, here's some drone footage. Wow. Oh, and here, here's, the ca- here's some footage from my camera. Oh, and at the same time, my, my uh, camera guy was with me and he caught this. That starts making everything a lot more real. Now, everybody can always debate on error, time, and culture, right. and, and that's fine. I, I actually I take that on as a project. Yeah, let's get to the point of that. But you can't really deny uh, these stories. When I, I, I have thousands of pictures, tens of thousands of pictures, and I have video all over the place that shows our discoveries. And I share a lot of that stuff in this book as well. You also talk about a lot of the tools of the trade besides, you know, video and, and pictures. Uh, what are some of the tools that you used in discovering some of these, well, making some of these discoveries? Yeah, you know, metal detectors have become my friend for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not the metal detectorist that just breaks out the metal detector as soon as I get out of the truck. Um, I'm more of the guy that uses that tool when let's say if I know I'm in the right area, I have my team with me, we're finding structures or, you know, anything of that sort. We use the metal detectors in a way to find uh, quite a few different clues. In fact, sometimes if I'm onto something and I'm wondering if a treasure hunter 30 years before me was looking forward to, well, he's going to leave around cans He's going to leave around trash, and the metal detectors can find that. So not only can we use metal detectors to find ancient artifacts, we can use them to find more modern-day artifacts to let me know who's been in that area. Has someone been there recently? Is someone on to the same story that I am? Um, the drones, I mentioned that one. The drones are, I can't even tell you how much time it saves me. Uh, when I was younger, we didn't have drones, of course. We yeah. didn't have technology like that. So if I saw a canyon a mile ahead off trail, I would have to walk that on foot. Now I can use a drone with a 4K camera to take in that canyon and see if maybe I can find anything from a bird's eye view, and it does work. I can't see everything, and I do miss things with a drone once in a while. There's Sometimes you just have to be boots on the ground to find some of this kind of stuff in the vegetation, but it does help. So there's a lot of tools we use out there. If we need to, we can rent GPRs mm-hmm. to uh, detect what's underneath the ground, and there's LIDAR to detect what's hiding in the vegetation. So there's a lot of modern-day tools out there. A lot of what you do uh, sounds expensive. How, how are you funded? How, how do you keep this thing going? Uh, obviously, writing a book helps, but what else is there? Well, you know, we were lucky enough to get some big sponsors. We came out with the what we call our web series, Uncharted Expedition. So um, we were luckily able to get some big-name sponsors uh, to do that show. And since then, it's just really helped out in the way to get the word out there and show what we're doing. So they funded the show, which also includes we're not just out there trying to make a show. We're actually trying to find real treasure. Um and when it comes to the money, there's been a lot of money invested into this stuff. I do have partners, and I do have investors. So um, it's not cheap, I'll tell you that. Yeah. 
but it doesn't have to be expensive either. When I, the first 10 years I did this, it only cost me a fuel, uh, a full tank of fuel in the car and a backpack every six months or a year, you know, and some hiking boots. So it's up to you how, how far you want to take it. This, uh, you know, we, we, we think about archaeologists and treasure hunters. Uh, I'm from the movies. I mentioned Indiana Jones. You got the, you know, the archaeologist guy, the, the, you know, in, in, the, in the Jurassic Park movies. And, and of course, uh, what's that one with, uh, with uh, well, that, I can't even think of the name of it right now. Another movie, uh, Treasure Hunters in America. And, and uh, how realistic are these? Are, are some of them pretty close to what you're trying to do or, or are they pretty far-fetched? This is where I'm going to be a little bit careful because I have worked with the major networks. Um, if you look me up and look up my company's Treasures in America or an Uncharted Expedition, you will see that I've worked for large networks. We did a TV show with uh, the one of the wrestling champions, Chris Jericho. We went after Butch Cassidy's treasure. Um, since then, I've had a lot of the major treasure hunting TV shows that we all know today um, reach out to me and I've helped them with their projects. I've been involved with, with TV, um, and treasure hunting since 2014. So I have to be a little careful how I say this, but I will say there's a reason why I decided to do my own web series. And there's a reason why I use the words real treasure hunting and real expeditions, um, with what we do versus these TV shows. Trying to look up the the movie I was trying American Treasure or tre- that one with Nicolas Cage I can't even think of what oh, it is. Oh, uh, National Treasure. That's the one. National Treasure. Yeah. I could not get it out of my brain. I think you. Yeah. Uh, thanks for uh, coming up with that for me. <laughs> You're fine. Um, yeah, National Treasure is a great movie, and to be honest, remember, especially in Hollywood, it's for entertainment. But I like to educate people on this when it does come down to these Hollywood videos. I've learned this in the last few years and I was surprised. Let's say if the movie, they had a budget of uh, $50 million. An eighth of that went to hiring experts and hiring people to help them form that, to make it more realistic. So you may be surprised of how much of that information could be real Mm. and is at least based off of information that is real. So in Hollywood, they might spice it up to make it a little more uh, exciting. They might fill in the blanks that they don't know. But there is some real research behind these movies. The the plot of the story has some truth to it. Have you? Uh, I, I guess you haven't been chased through the jungle by a poison dart throwing natives and jumping <laughs> on a, a seaplane, though. I guess. <laughs> No, but I I can tell everybody I was reached out to uh, invest a buyer investor uh, last week, in fact. And uh, in my book, I brush on some lost cities that I believe that I know the locations um, from North America to South America. And uh, he reached out and pretty much said he has the money and he would love to be the guy that funds uh, expedition that that where we discover one of these lost cities. And when you start getting into places down South out of North America, believe it or not, there's still a lot of tribes out there that live in the old ways. I have pictures of planes, private planes flying over these jungles in uh, South America. And 
they're taking pictures of these natives below them, and some of these natives have bows and arrows and spears that they're pointing at the at the plane. So, wow. again, there's a little bit of truth to that. Hey Tim, I got I got to get a commercial break in. Are you okay to hang on a little longer? Be uh, more on the show. You good with that? Sure. Awesome. Yep. Okay, we're talking with author Timothy Draper. Compelling guests, hot topics, the latest news. Always on the Andy Griffin Show. Is there a juicy part in it for me? Right here on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU. Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Hey, welcome back. I'm Andy, 937 on KDXU, almost 938. Timothy Draper, author, is with me. His book is called. Uh, Treasure of the Ancients, the search for America's lost fortunes, and well, that's the first question out of the uh, out of the gate here, Timothy. Is are there lost fortunes out there in America? <laughs> I get asked this all the time, and <laughs> in the in the back of this book, you know, I talk about that in the book. How how often I get asked is what have I found? What's some of my best treasures? And a lot of this stuff I can't really talk about, and that's unfortunate. But what I can tell people is that I believe that there are treasures in lost history around every corner. And treasures are different. I'll talk to one, one person may reach out to me, and his treasure is finding an old ghost town or a mining town that really isn't on the map. To other people, it's metal detecting and finding old uh, Civil War coins. And to some, some people, it's finding lost cities or finding an old Spanish mine that's been lost. Treasures can be many different things. Um, and in this book, I end up giving the reader for every state in America at least five treasure stories in their state that wow. they can read about. I give the information of where to start your search. I give the names of who was involved originally, and I leave the breadcrumbs for them to be able to dig into the book and then how to find the information and go on their own treasure hunt to make a discovery. Do you expect then that a lot of people who maybe got the book, read the book, are going to come back to you and say, hey, I took your advice, I dug into this, and guess what I found? Do you expect to hear hear back from people? Yes. In fact, that's already happened. The book's been out for what? In fact, just barely less than 30 days. I get several emails a day. I already have some readers, people who know what I do. Um, and I'm getting pictures, I'm getting old maps, I'm getting, uh, some people are sending me old documents that they have found, things that have been passed down in their family, um, and I'm even getting people that are telling me, I, I went here, I followed this clue, and now I'm finding this, what should I look for next? Um, yeah, I'm getting a lot of that. By the way, folks, if you want to call and talk with Timothy, maybe ask him some of those questions. The phone number is 673-5890, That's, of course, the 435 area code here on KDXU. If you want to text in a question, uh, 435-467-5842 is my text line. And Melody is here to answer your call. She'll be the lovely voice you hear first if you call in. Melody actually texted me a question. She said, uh, and I think it's a great question, how do the proceeds get split up with an investor on funded expeditions for lost cities. How, do, how does that all work? I think a lot of people are wondering. You know, that's that's something that's kind of a new development for us. Now, we do have the business Treasures of America where we sell treasure hunting gear. Um, all, all the partners involved with that, of course, is, is broken down just like a business. When it comes to uh, big expeditions, it, it, 
I can say this. I have contracts for many different things. Before anything happens, everybody has to assume that it may become a discovery or may not. But we have to cross all of our T's and dot all of our I's with that kind of stuff. If something is found, um, if it is an investor, the investor is usually going to ask for a fairly large sum right up front. And then what I do is that I share the rest with my team and the people who are involved with that by percentages. Just got another text says, uh, hey, Timothy, are there any treasure hunts or finds that we can uh, search for right here in Washington County? Yes, um, definitely. Um, because I, I live right here with everybody else. Um, when I'm not in the office, I'm out in the field. And there are a lot of things. And well, I, I tend to, to, I lean towards either ancient, Spanish, or um, from the pioneer age. And mm-hmm. what I'm finding from the pioneer age is that there were a lot of smaller settlements and towns that were built, and a lot of them were actually moved. This is what I find interesting. There may be an old mining town just uh, south of Gunlock, let's say, that had homes and buildings. And when that mine panned out and there wasn't anything left, they took the buildings with them and moved down the mountain another 10 miles to another mine. So I like finding those kind of areas around this, this uh, area of St. George. And lots of times I'm not finding the structures that make it obvious. I, I don't just go through a canyon and, oh, there's an old ghost town. Look at that. And it's not like Hollywood. Um, <laughs> but I am using the metal detectors and other, other things like that and my eyes. I tell everybody, do you see anything unnatural? Nature does not make perfect lines and perfect circles. So your eyes are a big tool as well. If you know you're in an area that may have some lost history or treasures, use your eyes because those are, those are your best tools. If you find anything unnatural, investigate it. This is a big volunteer town. In fact, one of the texts I just got said, hey, is Timothy taking on any volunteers that live here in Washington County, Utah? You know, I've been trying to decide how to do this. I find myself quite busy. But at the same time, I know that this community can, I could benefit from it. The community can benefit from it. So I am looking for ideas of how to organize something where people can volunteer to where we can go out as a community and go out and make these discoveries. I I think that'd be great. And I'm looking for any ideas on that between producing uh, the series and books. I wrote three books just this year alone. I've been pretty busy, but I am looking for someone to raise their hand and go, Hey, I got an idea. I'm never going to be against that, especially if it comes down to uh, helping the community make discoveries. A couple of folks texted, what's the name of the book again? It's called Treasures of the Ancients, The Search for America's Lost Fortunes by Timothy Draper. It's on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, Walmart has it. uh, uh, Pretty good distribution so far. Usually, you know, guys that are fairly new authors have a hard time getting it out there, but it seems like you're you're off to a good start, Tim. Yeah, thanks. I I got lucky. I I landed a good publisher, uh, Wolfpack Publishing. They're out of Las Vegas. And they usually do uh, Western books, uh, fictional Western books. But this happened to fall right under their category. They wanted to get into some nonfiction books. So I was one of, I think I am their first nonfiction writer. Um, But they already came very well established. The owner of uh, Wolfpack Publishing, 
um, I believe, uh, if I have this correctly, he was the one, one of the um, companies that was working with Amazon when the Kindle and eBooks started becoming popular. So mm. he has a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge in this stuff. My wife is a big-time Kindle book reader. Uh, in fact, she's—I think she's part of. Isn't there some prime way, or however they, whatever they call it, to get it, where you don't even have to buy the book? It's—it falls under the umbrella of their uh, their subscriptions. That's exactly right. Mine's on Kindle right now, and if you do have, if you subscribe, it's called Kindle Unlimited. You can read my book for free if you pay for that subscription. I believe there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of books that you can get unlimited like that with that subscription. But if you don't want to pay for that subscription, my Kindle is only at three ninety nine. So oh, you can wow. buy it, read it from your personal advice for a matter of four dollars. So is that, and are the did the pictures come across on the Kindle edition pretty well? Very well. In fact, what to to make a book, um, the Kindle edition, it, the format is set up for a personal device. So they it'll work good on a phone. It'll work on good on a laptop. It'll work good on a tablet. Um, the pictures we we used high quality pictures. You can even zoom into the pictures if you want to, and it'll keep the quality. Um, yeah, it, it it was done very well. Got a couple of texts uh, about the supernatural. Now, it, Tim, are you okay to hang on a little bit longer? One more commercial break? Sure. Okay, and we'll get to those supernatural questions uh, when we come back. We're talking with Timothy right. Draper on The Andy Griffin Show. Hold on. Welcome back. We're talking with uh, historian, uh, detective, author, Timothy Draper this morning. Hi, Timothy. Thanks again for coming on. Hey, Andy. I, I like uh, all those titles. <laughs> <laughs> I, the de- detective is one that fascinates me. I got a text from somebody. Uh, they are a big fan of metal detectors. Uh, in fact, they uh, include a newspaper clipping from quite a while ago talking about a guy that found a bunch of rings and a bunch of uh, Civil War era bullets. Obviously, this would probably be ba- uh, a little back, uh, a little further back east, but uh, you love metal detectors. They help. They do. They're, they're a great tool. And I have, I have people on my team. Um, I have two detectorists that that's, that's what they do when mm. we go out as a team. Uh, they just use their metal detectors. Um, I, I think it's a great tool, but I've also seen how uh, these guys who love doing it all the time, it's, it's a full-time hobby. These guys love doing it. They'll, Every weekend, they're out in a new area, and they're finding relics. And you know, people ask me, "Can you make money off of metal detecting?" And yeah, you can. You know, some people are finding old coins, and they're finding things. And they're you can even I've heard of stories of people finding wedding rings, and and they tried putting it on local news, like, "Hey, I found this wedding ring. It looks like it's valued at about three grand." They put it out there. No one claims it. And a couple months later, now you got a three thousand dollar gold wedding ring you know so yeah. you can make money out of it it could be a lot of fun uh there's a it reminds me of a story of a guy who lost his wedding ring while fishing years later he caught a fish and felt something solid inside the fish he went to cut the fish open thinking maybe it was his wedding ring he had cut into his own finger but uh <laughs> yeah ouch uh okay somebody said any signs of giants or giant skeletons in your research yes um Really? That one I want to be very careful. I like talking more about things that I have evidence, and I can say at this point there are stories out there, and a lot of those stories have been 
given to me by local people. Um, some of them are spreading down all the way to the California and Nevada border. Um, some of them even here in Utah and surrounding states. So I am still looking into that. I try not to brand things other than it's in my research. I can't say if I believe it or not, but there is some evidence of um, skeletons being found that are of a much larger size than what we are today. Very, very fascinating. Um, this is an area obviously rich in, in Mormon history, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, of course, one of the core beliefs of, of Mormons is that there was there was the civilizations in North America, Central and North America, uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, at the, the time of Christ. Have you uh, come across any evidence that would support or refute any of that? Yes, and I can't. Again, I'm going to be careful with that one because it's an ongoing investigation and has been. Um, I can tell people this. It's very interesting how sometimes I find these structures or I find these hieroglyphs. You'll look that up on Google. and you, In the book, I talk about it, too. There are some old ancient writings that come from Utah alone. What I find interesting, not only just the writings and that they were left here, some of these are in quite, it's interesting, they're above 5,000 feet in elevation, which tells me that maybe this um, area was underwater. Maybe there's large lakes, and we all know from the history that there is. Um, But it's just really fascinating to me. I truly believe, and I I can't brand if it's, you know, uh, which culture it is yet, but that actually got me started on the ancient side of the treasure hunting historical researching um, for probably 15, 20 years now. Mm, fascinating stuff. I think a lot of people are really, in fact, by the volume of text I'm getting, I think a lot of people are really fascinated with uh, with what you do. Uh, here's one. What is your opinion on Victoria Peak or Victoria Peak in White Sands, New Mexico? Do you know anything about that? I don't. That one okay. I don't know about. Yeah, I don't either. I so, yeah, <laughs> we, we might have to look into that one, Tim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and that's the thing. I I tell everybody I'm working on 150 sites currently right wow. now. That's a lot of sites, but I always feel like, oh, I don't know that one. I'm going to have to look that one up because you never. I bounce from site to site. The clues sometimes disappear, or because I keep my archives and my information. I get new information five years later that gets me back on the track on a site that I haven't been on for a few years. So I really enjoy hearing about new sites. I'll have to look into it. Archaeologists and paleontologists are, are known for, you know, you got the little brushes out and you're clearing uh, dinosaur bones or whatever. <laughs> at, at, how do you decide, okay, you find a site where there's some evidence of something has been there. Uh, at, at a certain point, do you go, okay, I got to turn this one over to the dinosaur people or to the, you know, the ancient, you know, the Ice Age man people or whatever. When, when, do you, when do you make that decision? How hard is that? That is kind of a hard one because, honestly, the movies are correct. When you're a treasure hunter, there's, uh, at least for me, there's a thin line between are we on to riches or are we on to something that's going to change history? Yeah. I don't believe history lost history belongs to one person. I believe it belongs to the community. So there's, I do have to say out of some of the sites, I have reached out to authorities. I'll be a little bit careful with this, but I've reached out to authorities. Sometimes they don't believe me, even when I show them evidence. And Hmm. sometimes it's not on their scope of concern. 
So even though the laws state one thing and, you know, there's a lot of politics in something like this. Um, To be honest with you, for several years now, I've decided that me and my team and the people I work with, we're almost protectors of these sites at this point because I have brought information to the public. I brought it to the officials and some of these sites are now buried. They're five feet under the dirt and they're gone it never was brought to the public. So, and I want to be careful with that. I'm not going to go against what's right and wrong when it comes to the laws of the land, but in a way I've kind of had to become a protector of these things. Sometimes I can't tell people where these exact locations are because either the officials work against me or even people themselves. I have been to sites that I found many, many years ago in this area, and I'll usually go and visit them, let's say once a year, once every two years, and I'll revisit these sites, and I'll notice that someone found them and destroyed them. Mm. People will shoot guns at at these old panels that have hieroglyphs on them. Some people spray paint them. Some people tear down these structures thinking that there's treasure underneath these structures. So things are disappearing right in front of my eyes, and, and in my opinion, very quickly. I don't think a whole structure should be completely destroyed a year after I took pictures of it, and I knew that it had some link to lost history that was quite significant, and I go back to it, and it's gone. So in a way, we are protecting these sites and only choosing to tell who we feel like we need to for the time being Hmm. to ensure that these sites stay. Well, we've got about a minute left, Tim. Tell us about your book again, how to get it, where to get it, and, uh, and what it is. Sure. Uh, the book is Treasures of the Ancients, The Search for America's Lost Fortunes. Um, we, Amazon is probably the best place to get it right now, um, just because Amazon takes care of all the shipping. I've been told by customers um, that they're getting their books to 48 hours later. Um, So Amazon is a very good place to get it, but it's also on Barnes and Noble. It's at Walmart. You, you look up any major bookstore and it's there. Um, And on top of that, if you want to go a little bit aside of that book and, and read about things that aren't in that book, we have our websites, treasuresinamerica.com. You will find articles after articles that I've been writing for years about some of my discoveries um, you'll find videos. If you go to unchartedexpedition.com, you'll find our videos there and what we're doing on YouTube. You'll find our web series. There's there's a lot of information we have for everybody. Timothy, thank you so much for coming on today. Best of luck in all your adventures and your book sales. Thank you. This has been the Andy Griffin Show. Thanks for tuning in. Tomorrow's the last day of February. Can you believe it? And my birthday's on Wednesday. We're going to party.